0: Welcome to Hope Community Church's Sermon of the Week. It's our prayer that this message will encourage and equip you to love like Jesus. To learn more about Hope, visit us at hccalive.com. Now, enjoy the message. Well, again, I want to welcome each of you this morning from wherever it is that you're viewing, especially those of you who find yourself in a foreign land, a foreign land this morning, like, like a place like Reedsville or, or Valder's or even. Tish Mills. I've just learned that we're translating uh, the message this morning and the music for our friends in Tish Mills. No, I'm just kidding. But I do want to encourage you this morning, wherever you're at, put it in the chat. Let us know where you're watching from and maybe next week I can even make a joke about where it is that you're from or where you're watching. But all jokes aside, I am so grateful that we get to worship together this morning from every different location that we're viewing from, that we're participating in the worship from, because God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. We, we don't have to be together to worship God together. We can be in different locations. In fact, the early church worshiped God together from multiple locations, different cities, different areas, but they were worshiping the same God. We've been seeing that as we've traveled throughout the book of Acts. As the praise band was singing that last song, Graves into Gardens, I couldn't help but think inside, I was like, I know that song to be true, that God does bring life to things that have died. God does bring life to, to difficult situations. But as I was thinking about that, there is sometimes is this point of a belief Knowing it to be true and putting it into action. And I thought, man, that is a perfect song to launch into with the message because this morning I've titled the message, Even in Difficulty. Even in difficulty, we need to worship God. Paul, even in difficulty, worshipped God. The early church, even in difficulty. You see, at this time, it's about 20 years after Jesus has ascended into heaven. 20 years or so has gone by. Paul is in his third missionary journey. We're following Paul through the book of Acts. However, there are still believers in Jerusalem. There are still believers throughout the, the regions who are being kicked out of their towns, who are losing jobs because they're turning to Jesus. During this time, even in the difficulty, we're to worship Jesus. 2020 has been a difficult time for many of us, and we understand that we need to worship God. But there comes a point in our belief, what we know to be true, and in what we do, we still have to make the choice to worship him. This morning, as we choose to worship God, we join Paul as he travels to Ephesus. Now, Ephesus happened to be the capital of a Roman province to Asia. It was a big city, it was a port city. The significance with that is port cities usually, whenever they became a place of commerce, commerce would would grow rapidly. They grew because goods could easily come into a port city. They could easily go out because of, of course, in this case, a sea or whether it be a river. People would come from all around to buy, to sell. They would come from all around to even invest their lives there, hoping for a, a more prosperous future. In our time, in our culture, we still see these things happen. People move from city to city in order to get a different job. Their hope is that with the new job, the new position, the new career, their life will be easier or more prosperous. They may be able to provide for their family more. There are even times, of course, where people move to a different city because that's where their kids or their grandkids are. Much like in our time, people moved from all over to come to Ephesus. The hope for most was that they would have a better life. But in Ephesus, it was also home to one of the seven ancient wonders of the ancient world. And it was the temple of Artemis. You see, in Ephesus, people would also worship Artemis. This goddess form, which we'll actually learn about next week, But anything that we give our focus or attention to that that draws our hearts away from God becomes an idol. So in this town, which has, of course, swelled, it's become a major city in this time, people were learning about worship to Artemis. We're going to see how significant that is as we finish the chapter, but I want us to remember this. People were gathering to Ephesus for one thing, but God wanted to reach them for the gospel. God wanted to reach them because the Bible tells us that his desire is that none would perish, but all would come to know Jesus in a personal way. God used Paul and sent him to Ephesus. Now, Paul's actually been to Ephesus in his second missionary journey in chapter 18. We, we had seen that, and it was a quick stay in Ephesus, and now Paul is back. So here's what I want us to know, that even in difficulty... Don't quit. Even in difficulty, don't quit. Paul had many reasons why he could quit. He had many opportunities to give up. He could have said, here I am on these missionary journeys telling people about Jesus. Where are the original apostles? Where are those who walked with Jesus? But he didn't do that. Because he knew that Jesus was worthy of pursuit regardless of whom he was with. He was being faithful to the call that God had on his life. And because of that, he didn't quit. In Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, here's what it tells us. And it happened that while Apollos who, Apollos, who we met last week, was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. He said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. That, that's similar to what we had seen last week with Apollos. Verse 4, and Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, and that is Jesus. Again, John's baptism was was a baptism of repentance. He was preparing the way for Jesus to come. And so Paul ends up in Ephesus, and he comes across this group of believers. We're going to learn in a couple minutes that it's 12 believers. And he says to them, he says, they're disciples. They're, They're following God. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, we know they were believers because the Bible tells us that. Paul says, when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, I know that this could seem a little bit confusing. And, well, is it possible that they're not believers if they haven't received the Holy Spirit? I would answer that question by this. The apostles followed Jesus and they believed, but they did not receive the Holy Spirit until Acts chapter 2. So they were disciples, they were believers, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit? They lacked understanding. In this time, as we've seen from Apollos' life, people knew about John the Baptist. Again, it's been 20 plus years and, and his teachings had gone out, but he hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. He hadn't yet been baptized. This is the same situation here with these believers. They lacked the power Of the Holy Spirit. If they were Old Testament Jews, they had heard of the Holy Spirit. They would have heard of it. So, what they were probably saying is that they didn't realize that the Holy Spirit had yet come. Well, in verse 5, things get pretty interesting. And I love the way that Paul didn't quit. And as a result, he brings the gospel, the good news of Jesus to these people. And in verse 5, it says this On hearing this, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Now, the key to this text is that these 12 people were willing to learn, they they were willing to gain an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. This is the only text. In the New Testament, where people were re-baptized. This is the only text where we find that people had been rebaptized. But not only were they rebaptized, but Paul lays his hands on them, and as he prays for them, they received the Holy Spirit. When they received the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues, they began to prophesy. This isn't the first time that we have encountered this as we've worked through the book of Acts. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, when the apostles received the Holy Spirit, they also spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 10, back in May, when Pastor Jesse was preaching that text, and the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit, they also spoke in tongues. And here in Acts chapter 19, they spoke in tongues. I'm not trying to make a big deal of it, but I, I think it's important for us to understand That there is not a a certain method, there's not a certain specific way that people receive the Holy Spirit. See, God's creative and he's able to use a variety of forms for people when they believe to receive the Holy Spirit. Now this happens to be the last time as we travel through the book of Acts that we'll encounter people speaking in tongues. But it's not the last time we'll read it through Scripture. Scripture. There are several other Bible passages that talk about this. The truth is, I'm hoping to next fall be able to work through some of the the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to the church to function today. I think that would be a, a great study for us to be able to work through in order for us to see not only has God given these different offices, but He has given the Holy Spirit to function in specific ways in order for the church to glorify him. I I know that it would be easy for us to say that that we believe that uh, the gifts of the the Spirit are still functioning and it would also be easy for us to say that we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are not still functioning. But here's what I can tell you. As we have traveled through the book of Acts thus far, We have seen that God cannot be limited. I think it would be dangerous for us to discount the way that God wants to work in us and through us. What I would encourage you to do is to look through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read through the the gifts of the Spirit that God has given us. I would encourage you to read through Romans chapter 12 and see the different offices that God has given to the church. The reason that these things are so important is really that people would come together, that they would be able to glorify God. It would be a disservice, I believe, to the, to the church today, the big C church today, to begin to discount or discredit any of the gifts that God has given to his church. So not only did Paul not quit in teaching the truth, but he actually taught the truth. In verse 8, Paul continues, and, and he's teaching these new believers who have been, I, I shouldn't say new believers, but these people who have received the Holy Spirit. He's teaching them in verse eight, and here's what it tells us. And he entered the synagogue, and for three months, he spoke boldly. He was reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Now, for Paul to preach anywhere for three months and not have a riot is, is some type of record. But don't worry, the riot's coming. It's just, it's next week. But in verse nine, it says this, but when some began to be stubborn and they continued in unbelief, they were speaking evil of the way before the congregation. So Paul withdrew from them and he took with him the disciples and he was reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Verse 10, and this continued for two years so that all the residents, this is awesome, All the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. The reason that this is so important is because Paul didn't stop teaching the truth. The temptation might be for for you as you're watching this morning or listening this morning to say, I'm not a teacher. Well, let me tell you something. We are all teachers. We are all teachers by the way that we treat one another. We're all teachers by Our words that we use to to lift up or to tear down, we are all teachers. Every single person has people that watch them. That makes you a teacher. In fact, as people are watching you live for Jesus, you are teaching them about your faith. As people watch your marriage, you are teaching them about your faith. As your grandkids come to your house or in the future when they come to your house, You are teaching them about your faith. As as some of you are experiencing sickness or loss, the way that you conduct yourself teaches others about your faith. We are all teachers of our faith. But here's what happened in verse 9. As Paul was teaching, the Bible tells us that some became, uh, became stubborn in their hearts. And as they became stubborn, which, by the way, is the same word used, when Pharaoh was stubborn, he hardened his heart to Moses, and God acted in a strong and powerful way to receive glory, these people became stubborn. They rejected the message. So Paul didn't quit. Instead, he continued to teach truth. He brings them aside, and he, for two years, for two years, rents this lecture hall. And would teach from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's the time when the the locals would have their their lunch and an afternoon nap because they worked before 11 a.m. They worked after 4 p.m. He would teach. So not only was Paul actually working in the morning and in the evening, but he would teach in the midday. Paul was laboring hard to teach the truth. And as a result, all of the residents heard about Jesus. Now think about this for a second. What would that look like in our community? What would that look like in your community if we were teaching the truth through our lives with words, with actions, with, with our uh, heart of compassion towards others? What would it look like if we were teaching the truth so powerfully that all of your area began to learn about Jesus. That is exactly what's happening here. How do we get to this place? Well, we need to surrender everything that we have. We need to surrender our hearts. We need to surrender the outcome to God. We need to surrender everything to God. The Bible teaches that consistently. In verse 11, it goes on to say this. God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. So Paul, his clothing was so powerfully used by God that people were taking it from him. They were using it to heal the sick, to cast out demons. The interesting thing is this is not the first time We see clothing used to bring healing. Even Jesus in Mark chapter five, the woman who had a a blood disease said, if I can just touch his cloak, I know that I'll be healed. In Acts chapter five, actually, Peter, when he would walk by and his shadow would even fall on people, they were healed, they were cleansed. And so this is an interesting phenomenon. However, we we have seen people in our day use this text to try to lead people to give them money. They, they may sell a piece of material, a, a hanky or, a, or some type of prayer cloth to receive financial gain and say that if you purchase it, you'll receive some type of spiritual blessing. The blessing is not in the cloth. The, the blessing is in God. God happened to use Paul, but the power is still in Jesus. Jesus. Let me summarize some of what happens in verse 13 to 16. There were some Jewish itinerant exorcists who were trying to take advantage of this. They, they saw the way that God was using Paul in a powerful way and, and they said, I, I want to benefit from that. In fact, there was seven of them. And so they say to this demon-possessed man, we are casting out your demon in the name of Jesus. This demon-possessed man looks at these seven sons of a, of a Jewish priest, and he says, This Jesus I know. The Bible tells us in James chapter 2 that demons know Jesus and they shudder at his name. So this demon says, Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard of, but who are you? This demon possessed person actually jumps on all seven of them, masters them. The text tells us these seven people get beat up, they leave this house bruised and naked. Now, as embarrassing as that sounds, and and in the moment you think, man, people would begin to understand the power of who God is and be drawn to him. That's, That's actually not what happened. You see, what happened in this is people who were believers would be used in a powerful way to lead a revival in Ephesus. Pick up with me in verse 17. As the believers were surrendering all to God, Here's how God responded in verse 17. And this became known to all the residents in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many of those who, were now, who had now become believers, these are people who had become believers, they were confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magical arts brought their books together and they burned them in the sight of all. And they, con- they counted the value and they found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. One piece of silver was equal to a day's wage. So 50,000 days wages. So the word of the Lord continued to increase. You see, here's what happened as the believers saw the way that the power of Jesus confronts sin as the believers saw the way that the power of Jesus was being used through Paul, as the believers saw this, they realized that they could not hold on to their worship of anyone other than God. They were confronted, and they, they knew that they had to surrender everything they had. I want you to understand the cost of this situation, the, the cost of what these believers were giving up. The Bible tells us it was 50,000 shekels of silver. That, if somebody earned... $40,000 a year. $40,000 a year. This would be equivalent to $5.4 million worth of material that was used to worship a, a false god. $5.4 million of material that had been used to worship a false god. These believers come together. And they put it on a pile and they offer it as, and they burn it up because they didn't want anything to do with it anymore. They were surrendering all of themselves to God. This is a people in Ephesus that are gonna be used in a powerful way because they were totally surrendered to God. You see, when the Holy Spirit cleanses the church of sin, and I want us to remember the church is the people. It's not a building, it's not just leadership. The church is the people. When the Holy Spirit cleanses us, Of sin. We free ourselves up to be used in a mighty way by God. The cleansing that God does through this group of people required that they surrender anything in their life that pulled their hearts away from God. So they burnt up the material, $5.4 million worth of material and they confessed the spells that they thought had power. I think of how important confession is. In this difficult time, of whatever it is that you're experiencing, I want to say three things. In the difficulty, don't quit. In the difficulty, teach the truth. Teach it to yourself, share it with others. And surrender everything. As I was preparing and working on this message this week and thinking about how to share it, God was doing a, a work really in me. The message was, was working through me. And, uh, and it wasn't to offer magical books to burn up. I don't, I don't have any that I'm aware of. But it was a, in a different area of sin in my life. There are a few people who know me pretty well and very few that I've shared this with. But I'm going to share it with you as our church family this morning. It's the sin of bitterness and resentment. I have struggled with this as long as I can possibly remember. Many of you know that I uh, have an ability to remember people's names. Uh, some of the staff sometimes pick on me for that. I remember their name, family members, where they're from. So that's the good that comes with some of my my memory things. But the bad is it's also very hard for me to forget ways that either I have been wronged or I felt wronged or people that I love have been wronged. And what I want to tell you this morning is, as I've been praying into the message, I see that God is asking me to surrender all of that. And so what I want to share with you is that I'm... I'm surrendering resentment. I'm surrendering bitterness. And as God allows me to have different memories of situations, I'm going to be asking him to, to help me to forgive, help me to release. And as I share that with you, I ask that you pray for me. Pray for me that I would do that well. And for those of you who are at a place where you're ready to surrender something to God If you go to our website and fill out a prayer card, this next week on Tuesday, our staff will be gathered. Actually, right here in the sanctuary. And we will pray for you. That's our commitment. But I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. That even in the difficulty, we would be people who seek God. And so would you please pray with me? Father, I'm thankful that even in the difficulty, you've never given up on any of us. Help us to be people who press on, who don't quit, who let you teach us the truth. And Lord Jesus, who continue to say yes to you and surrender. We, we pray for that encouragement uh, to bless us this week as we follow you. And for anybody, God, who's never trusted you, Maybe they've known about you, but they've never put their trust in you. We want to ask that you would help them to do that this morning, that they would pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I know that I need you. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, please come into my heart, come into my life, and I want to surrender all of me to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Previous messages of our Act series can be found at hccalive.com. If you would like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give at hccalive.com as well. Don't forget to subscribe, and may we continue to love like Jesus.